0: Lovely friends, talking fantasy podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today is my lifelong friend and co host, Dylan.
1: I'm ready to talk some fantasy at my friend Charles.
0: <laughs> I'm ready to uh, have fantasy be talked to me, uh, Dylan, because today we are back for the second time this week. To continue our Friends Pitching Fantasy series, it has returned, and today is a special day because today Dylan is going to be pitching his fantasy books for us to read next on the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast.
1: Mm, It's a Dylan episode. (laughs) I know. Everyone's excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. A very Dylan episode of Friends Talking Fantasy. But the focus isn't going to be on me today, Charles. The focus is going to be on three amazing bookslash series that I'll be uh, pitching to you, not necessarily just at you, Charles. Appreciate uh, that. For this, yeah, uh, this episode of Friends Pitching Fantasy, um, where. We're following up. You already did your Friends Pitching Fantasy episode. I still have to figure out which of the three books you pitched that I'm going to select. I still have no idea. Uh, <laughs> to give them a peek behind the curtain, we're recording this right after. So it's it hasn't been two days. I'm equally flummoxed, as I said. All right. uh, but I have three books series, Charles, mm-hmm. that I'm going to pitch to you. And I am really excited to see which of them you are going to pick to be among our next two reads Goodness. on Friends Talking Fantasy.
0: I know. And you usually bring the heavy hitters. It's been a while since we've done FPF, but you, you, you've you always um, tortured me by... Bring a bunch of heavy hitters at the same time for me to try and choose from. It's like choosing between children sometimes. It's like, why are you making me choose? It's not fair. But that's the spirit of the series. Uh, a few quick housekeeping things. Yes, our last mm-hmm. episode before this one was my pitches. You can listen to this one first, then go back and listen to that if you want. If you can listen to them in either order. Um, Dylan's going to pick one of my books from the last episode. I'm going to pick one of Dylan's books from this episode. We're going to read both on the show. But we're going to take a few days to decide over on social media. Mostly over at, on Twitter at the FTF Podcast with the number one at the end. But we'll be all over the place. And um, yeah, really need your input, guys, on 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 how to decide between these books. I Honestly, I don't know what Dylan's going to bring to the table. I know he was kind of swapping out ideas uh, the other day when we were kind of comparing notes. So I'd be curious to see what he brings to the table. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to have. Three, 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 three pitches, but only one will be read imminently on the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast. So Dylan, why don't you take it away and tell us what what, what books you have brought to the pitching floor today.
1: Hmm. Oh yeah, Charles. I brought it because, you know, I rarely have any notes or anything I I brought it this time oh, I've got wow. my glasses on now I didn't have them when I was receiving the pitch so you know I'm feeling studious I've got all sorts of notes for my pitches on these three awesome book slash series Ooh. and it's hard you can't, I can't just say books but we're starting off with Oh, this is brutal on the video because I have a virtual background so you can't see unless I'm right in front of it I'm starting off with The Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter. That's going to be the first book that I will pitch. That is a classic of modern fantasy, recent releases. Super excited about that one. Next up, I'll be talking about oh, no, Lee's. Oh, yes, I did. Lee's Jade War, which is book two. I'm pitching books two and three of the Greenbone Saga because we read book one, uh, Jade City, earlier uh, this year. Or, sorry, technically last year, late last year. um, But only a couple months ago, I think. So we know we love that one. And I want to read the rest of the series ASAP.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: But... You'll have a tough decision because you'll also be deciding through a oh, total classic standalone by Guy Gabriel K. That's Tigana. I mean, Charles, this is going to be a real Sophie's choice for you.
0: <laughs> you did, as you, as you always do. You're making me choose between Evan Winters Fondly and Guy Gabriel K. What? So. <laughs> I'm excited for your first pitch, because be. of all your pitches, this is the only book I have not read, so I'm super eager to hear what you have to say.
1: Well, the only book you haven't read anything from the series. You have not read uh, Oh, that's true. Jade The War only author yet, I have correct. not
0: read, I think I said, right? So maybe, yes. yeah, I don't remember, but yes, that's true. I have not read the rest of the Greenbone Saga either, so I have not read Jade War.
1: Okay. Well, should I just get into the Rage of Dragons, Charles? Let's
0: hear it. I'm excited.
1: Okay. So, Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter. It's uh, his debut novel. It's the first in the Burning Trilogy, of which two books are out right now. It was originally published, uh, self-published in 2017, but after absolutely massive fanfare, it was picked up by Orbit and re-released in 2019 as a traditionally published book. Uh, it is a really interesting uh, book that I-, I should probably get into the premise just a little bit. Uh, this is the blurb. Uh, The Omehi people have been fighting an unwinnable fight for almost 200 years, uh, and the lucky ones are born gifted. One in every 2,000 women has the power to call down dragons. One in every 100 men is able to magically transform himself into a bigger, stronger, faster killing machine. But the story follows Tao, a character who is born without these gifts, but has set his mind to becoming the greatest swordsman to ever live in pursuit of revenge, Charles. So, yeah. It it, it takes place in, oh, by the way, sitting at an impressive 4.32 on Goodreads right now. Well, this has been extremely well received in all those ways. It takes place in an African-inspired setting, which uh, we always talk about the idea of a breath of fresh air away from all these medieval European fantasy settings, and this one will definitely bring it, and we've always enjoyed when we've read African-inspired settings in fantasy. So it's been described, Charles, as gladiator meets Game of Thrones, which uh, I mean, what more could we ever ask for than that? I mean, are you not entertained, Charles? So everything, <laughs> you look entertained. Everything I've heard about this series has been just absolutely glowing. I'm sure you've felt the same. Uh, part of what attracts me uh, to it, I think will attract you to it as well, is that I've heard that despite being this awesome epic fantasy world, it is apparently an extremely intimate story. The book focuses on Tao and his arc as a character, this uh, revenge story and how that affects him personally. And I've heard it it does not pad the book with world building just for world building's sake. I, I hear the world is awesome. So by the way, I, I haven't read this if I didn't say that explicitly yet to the listeners but i'm super excited about the idea of getting into it uh so yeah drawing from what i've heard awesome world but he uses that style of world building that you and i absolutely love uh where it is uh more about service to the character to the plot to the themes and the world gets built around that so love those intimate stories the consensus regarding the characters of fully formed, tons of depth. Uh, that protagonist Tao, he's among many people's favorite characters. Hard stop, and. People talk about how the motivations are really strong for all the characters, including the antagonist. You know, we did like favorite villains episodes uh, or one episode of that in the past and uh, always love when uh, the antagonist is someone that you can understand where they're coming from, uh, even if you don't agree with it. And it sounds like this book has those strong uh, villains in it. Uh, also really pumped about what I've heard about the pacing of the story charles so ready for this you yeah. know daniel green of course booktuber extraordinaire oh, yeah. uh, so he stated that it has arguably the best pacing for any fantasy story he has read wow. right that's for pretty an good. epic fantasy that's but huge yeah and so that brings up some like Poppy War by R.F. Kwong vibes for me. It's something that we were praising a lot when it came to that book was it just keeps moving. And uh, I hear this is like a pretty straight line telling of Tao's story. And I, I that's something that more and more I've come to appreciate as I've uh, gone further into my fantasy reading. Uh, so anyway, we heard that from Green and, That is just a drop in the bucket of the high praise that he provided. He went on to say, this was in 2019, that The Rage of Dragons was the best debut fantasy novel he has come across. Wow. That, right. And that's echoed by our buddy David S. over at FanFi Addict, one of our friends we're interacting with all the time on social media. He -hmm. called it quite possibly the best debut novel he has ever read. Wow. unsurprisingly it was also the winner of the reddit like the r fantasy subreddit award for best debut fantasy novel and that's that where this really picked up a lot of steam <laughs> I, it probably was i mean this is what they how they phrased it wherever i was looking but it makes sense that it'd be the we just didn't stabbies. want to say <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds more official if i'm like the winner of our fantasies award for best debut fantasy novel and that's where it picked up a lot of steam like people were just going absolutely crazy for this book on uh reddit and uh, that helped it get picked up traditionally published um but uh, it's not just Reddit that has had such high praise. Uh, there's this little magazine called Time Magazine. Uh, maybe you've heard of it, Charles? I have. Uh, that created, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it, they created this top 100 fancy books of all time. Top 100 all time, Charles. And this relatively recent book found its way onto that list as well. So overall, when you when you think about all this. I felt like Rage of Dragon, the Rage of Dragons and Evan Winter's work in general, it's just one of the largest holes in our reading history when it comes to this idea of these like modern fantasy classics, these hit releases of the last five years. And I always hear people whenever they pick this up, they're like, how did I not pick this up earlier? And they're mad at themselves for even just reading all these different books, uh, recently that they might not have enjoyed as much so Charles I ask you why have we not picked this up earlier and I uh, request of you that is time we correct this issue it is time that we read The Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter on Friends Talking Fantasy.
0: Oh man that is a fantastic pitch by the way fantastic selection to uh, your conclusion kind of summarizes my reason behind really wanting to pick this it's this idea that um evan winter is such a gap in our reading vocabulary like i see his presence in the bookish community and it's so positive and so prevalent and then i see just the amount of praise of his work both like breakthrough and time magazine and reddit and all of that and also (laughs) like amongst many of our favorite authors and then amongst our peers as well it's one of those things that's like why haven't we gone into this and then you talk about that winning formula of like epic fantasy told in a way that uh keeps itself like contained within the characterization of the story because that to me is such a like a I know a lot of people go towards epic fantasy for this reason of like, I want to know this whole sprawling continent and where the militaries are moving around and all the politics. And for me, sometimes it gets a little too big, a little too overwhelming. I tend to gravitate towards stories exactly like this. And I see Sebastian de Castell by the way, I'm like perusing Goodreads and it says, um, uh, I've been generally trying to get away from books about great, wars and warriors lofty magic and military organizations being the center of the story yet winter's debut kept me captivated precisely because he managed to do what many of those books seem to avoid he kept the story incredibly contained within the life of its main character and it's like that is exactly what i'm like Bol- bolsters my confidence when I see like epic fantasy of an ongoing unfinished yeah. series right which this is this is book one of like a of a currently ongoing unfinished series right
1: <laughs> yes so two of the three books have come out I don't think we have a release date for the final book but just pitching the first one and seems like people loved it as a standalone. Story as well, of course. I'm sure there's a lot to get into in the following books. I know a lot of people are anxiously awaiting that third book, but yeah, this is first of three.
0: Got it. I I wonder, like, do you know anything about? There's one other book out in this, right? Do you know anything about,
1: like, how the series kind of the fires of vengeance, right? Does it? I I mean, I've heard fantastic
0: character, or does it like? I believe Change. it does. Okay, interesting.
1: But Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know for <laughs> sure, but I, I believe it does. And I've tried to, you know, I always try to avoid sure, looking sure. at stuff with the second book uh, when, but yeah, it is you like know, for spoiler reasons. reasons. But Charles, uh, very well received, very well received. Mm-hmm. So much so, Charles, that I almost never do this. I own a copy of book two already. <laughs> Not just do I own a copy of book one. I own a copy of book two. That's how <laughs> confident I am that I'm going to love these books. I'm pretty confident you're going to love them too, Charles.
0: Well said. And, and like you you asked me about settings in my books. The, the setting in this one, you said it was like expired from like African cultures. Like, is that correct? I see some people like invoking yes. like the Zulu and – and things like that uh, that's that's also an interesting kind of spin on what we've read from like i'm getting like game of thrones vibes a little bit from all of this um i see shadow of the gods is in the recommended and i see kings of the Wild as in the recommended which is interesting i think because it's got that same reddit like kickoff kind of origin story um i see jade city in there as well uh, which i'd be curious mm. about uh, the connection that's interesting. there.
1: Um, but, no, I mean, like, here's... Like, go ahead. David. Yeah, I mean, I, that's why I think you said Game of Thrones, that idea of this gladiator meets Game of Thrones. It sounds like it's like you're placing someone in a Game of Thrones level of epic uh, world and epic stakes and all that kind of stuff, but you're telling more of that intimate, like, gladiator, the movie, uh, Russell Crowe, a vehicle that has this individual character that has their main motivation. Revenge is that easy one to get behind, and obviously that's a huge thing in Gladiator. And I think uh, it has that level of, as as we've said, uh, intimacy within the mm-hmm. larger Game of Thrones world. And and I really do think, even though I don't see this one coming up, it gives me the vibes of a poppy war in the sense that we get this really incredible depth of one particular character, Rin in the case of the Poppy War, and just cruise through their story without the barriers of like, oh, let's go get this side character's like story as well. It's like, no, this is Tao's story. And we came away from the Poppy War. (laughs) Right, yes, Brienne of Tarth looking for Sansa, who has not been anywhere near where Brienne of Tarth is looking for like two books. But... (laughs) In this one, it sounds like we won't have to deal with that aspect of Game of Thrones. We get to deal with, uh, like, uh, cool aspects of Game of Thrones, for lack of a better way of putting it. Uh, But, yeah, we came away, I remember, from Poppy War thinking, like, okay, these are our... uh, This is one of our favorite characters ever in Rin because you get to really sit with that character. And I think that's what we're going to get with Tao. Uh oh but don't worry there's dragons and uh, <laughs> there's a super basically superpowers and Everything it sounds like a character who has some aspects of the underdog as well which is always fun and i hear incredible things charles about the way that uh, battles are written in this book like shades of john gwynn in that sense oh
0: that's i mean look out. i don't have too many questions here uh, this book has been on my shortlist for a long time. Evan Winter's been an author that I've been like very eager to get into. So it, it, this is an easy sell for me. The only problem is there's two other books here that I really want to read as well that are in the mix. Yeah. So um, I I think I'd be curious to see like uh, kind of if you can convince me not to pick Evan Winter at this point, like I I'm, I'm so eager, but. And I don't know. You're bringing up two other real heavy hitters. Yeah, I think you may as well just just get into the next one.
1: Gladly, Charles. So The next one, that's going to be Jade War and Jade Legacy by Fonda Lee. That's books two and three of the Greenbone saga. So I'm not going to read a synopsis of this one because we're starting at that second book don't want to spoil anything for our listeners about what may have happened in the first one but just to convey to listeners the Greenbone saga mainly follows the story of a crime syndicate family as they battle for supremacy on the island of Kacon uh, urban fantasy st- setting in terms of its technology level uh, it's Asian inspired and people always compare this series to like the godfather of mm-hmm. fantasy. So, the godfather being the movie, not the role in a family, um, right. but we recently read Jade City, which was the World Fantasy award-winning first novel in the Greenbone Saga. So, I feel I'm starting from a good place with you here, Charles, where we yes. both love that one. We love Fonda's writing and uh, I, want, I want to say, I know I know it's fun to start a new series. I know that's something that's going to be appealing about uh, books like The Rage of Dragons. And a lot of times we do enjoy hopping around and do a lot of these book ones before we get back to any given series. But this series is different, Charles. And I think you know that because we have every reason to believe that uh, this uh, series is one where you have to uh, like keep going with it pretty as soon as possible because in a way unlike any series we've ever covered every single time that we've talked about the first book in this series on social media or anything else we just get flooded by people telling us how important it is to read the whole series asap (laughs) i I mean it's an interesting phenomenon that it's just hard to explain it's like we've read series like the, or at least the first in the Broken Earth trilogy, let's say, yeah. which is a series that it literally won the Hugo with like each of its installments in the right. trilogy, and even that one, it's like we read the fifth season and everyone was excited, but it's we don't get hit by the same wave of like, okay, now you have to read all of them. For whatever <laughs> reason, this series, everyone is saying, hey, if you're gonna read the first one, you gotta just keep rolling right away and we just never seen that before at that level and i know that charles and so i'm trying to figure out okay what's going on here i took a look at the goodreads uh ratings for the entire greenbone saga so catch this charles jade city book one 4.11 obviously a great rating and i think not surprising to us how many number of ratings but then we jump into jade Okay, I can I can, pl- well, I can I pull to, it up. Keep going. Yeah. Charles, up. you give that a look while I keep yep. going. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure a lot, right? This right. is a very popular series. 38,000. Yeah.
0: 38,000.
1: Yeah. I think that's enough to feel confident that we're getting a, yeah. a nice sample there. Uh, Jade War, book 2. We're jumping up to 4.45, right? Yeah, so that's, that's a, a 0.34 increase and we're we're now we're starting to get like close to that 5. Jade Legacy, book three, Charles, 4.67. You just don't see that, yeah. right? I it's mean, rare. Literally rounds to five, right? So that indicates to me, not just is this a series that keeps up the momentum of that first book, it's a huge improvement with each book. I mean, you rarely see that. I'm I, I'm usually... Uh, I usually enjoy the first book in a series more than the later ones, but this seems like it's really the exception. So we're only going up, I think, from a book that we loved. And it's just interesting to see how much an author grows when they're doing that, right? Uh, So I want to see how Fonda grows as an author because she's at such an amazing starting place. Uh, Where does she go from there to even further improve? So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Charles Fonda Lee does an incredible job of exploring these themes of family and honor, uh, which are common themes, But she comes at it from such a unique angle. And I think there's just so much more for us to see in future books now that we have these characters established. Like, we don't really need to know at the same level, like, who are they? We get to really dive into their relationships with each other, as well as uh, some exciting plot points. Uh, You know that book one ended with some loose threads. I know I won't get into details, but I know one of the aspects of the conclusion, uh, we both really enjoyed regarding like how a relationship changed between two characters. And I, I really want to see where that goes. Oh, yeah. And I also, yeah. Uh, and Of course, Fonda has this incredible hard magic system centered around the idea of jade, this uh, sort of drug that you take, which has all sorts of repercussions and limitations to it, which uh, we always say that, uh, as Brandon Sanderson says in one of his uh, rules of magic system, uh, the limitations and the weaknesses are always more interesting in a magic system than are the strengths. And I think that one of Fonda's strengths is utilizing those weaknesses to like put her characters in these interesting uh, tumultuous situations so uh, i think there are only further secrets to uncover with that incredible magic system but in all everything we've heard about this series i I really go back to this idea that it has to be a must read uh, because of you know all these people can't be wrong who uh, jump on the bandwagon of you got to read the whole series as soon as possible and i really do think the sooner we do that the better because we, we don't want to forget anything i hear there's time skips and stuff like say, that yeah, uh, so right we want to uh, jump into that before uh we have a time skip ourselves between the books so really important to keep going asap charles and uh, in this uh part of the, in this pitch i uh, i request that you allow us to
0: (sighs) that's well said dylan and i think you know this was another one that was like a twitter darling recommended to us like crazy Mm. i see a lot of other shows picking this series up and for good reason the thing that interests me it's like you said it's one of those weird things where people insist on books two and three like the whole series like Don't stop on one. Don't judge it on just one alone. Do the whole thing. And what's interesting is book one is not bad. It's very good. And the fact that they're telling you to yeah. not form opinions just on one, even though it's already like a really strong <laughs> debut novel, is super bizarre. Usually you'd say that if you were like a little insecure about book one and you want someone, th- like the ending's really good. You're like, oh, the ending's really good. Just read the whole thing. And, and then, Or like a TV show. It's like, you got to get yeah. to the end. It really picks up. It's not like that at all. It's like, starts strong. And people no. say, but wait, keep going. And if I had to hazard a guess, I would say it's it's Fonda Lee's strength of, like, plotting and narrative arcs. Like, people say it's Godfather-esque, the first book. And I definitely, like, it made me want to watch The Godfather. And I went back and watched all the movies. And it was, like, so much fun putting me in that space. Hmm. But what she's able to do is take those, kind of, like, that genre and take all of the, like ingredients from that and tropes. all the tropes from it and like combine it together to make a really interesting story it, it, honestly the way it's told it gives me also like star wars vibes and what makes star wars so good it's like you can take the characters and you can interweave them throughout an arcing story and you can have like different alliances partnerships like good people turning bad, bad people turning good. Like you can and hit all those tropes, like Star Wars hits like the space opera tropes. And then this hits like the fantasy version And just like, it's so much fun to see how these characters weave in and out of the story and to see where the story goes. So I get a lot of, of that kind of energy from this. And obviously I love the Godfather and a, a good organized crime story. And this is such a different perspective and voice to that, that I like really enjoyed the first one. And so I'm looking forward to seeing, like, it only makes sense, right, that, like, someone whose primary strengths are in, like, this kind of exposition story arc narrative kind of driven story that to see where it continues to go only improves on that, right? It's like she's writing a three-part story, so you're only getting the first piece and although it's a complete story and everything it's like you know a very good contained story that obviously goes into a trilogy unlike other trilogies it's just like i don't know for whatever reason it's like the first cannot be judged without the end and so i'm i'm super excited to see where it goes and i think if we were to turn this to twitter my money would be on them choosing this amongst the three yeah. Although I think Evan Winter would, would although give, Rage of
1: dragons. Yeah. I think
0: Evan Winter yeah. would be um, tough competition. Um, I, I still think Fonda Lee is going to, going to win out at least um, from what I've just, from what I've seen people On talking Twitter. about today. Like I, I think like this Greenbone saga is still a very prominent topic of discussion for a lot of people in our, in our sphere. So yeah, super excited. Um, not too many questions, obviously. It's a, t- it's a tough choice. I do want to finish reading it, and I do want to see where it goes. And I want to see what all this, like, read the whole thing is, is about, you know? Like, I feel like I'm I'm missing yeah. that piece to the Fondalee Greenbone Saga experience. So um, it is definitely Home. something that we've already started, right? So it seems natural to finish while it's fresh, you know?
1: Yeah, I'll just add that... This is this is offering a full conclusion in a way that the Rage of Dragons uh, uh, won't be mm-hmm. able to provide of the whole series because even if we were to keep rolling, we'd be stuck at the Fires of Vengeance for until Book Three comes out. So, I think the Rage of Dragons. That's why I pitched the only the first book right now because mm-hmm. it. Sounds like it does stand alone extremely well in its own way, but reading Jade War, reading Jade Legacy, we get that complete story where the author gets to tell everything she has to say in this, uh, uh, with these characters in this story. So I think that is something very much worth considering. Yeah. I have to say, I'm also interested, Charles, by this idea you were talking about with. I always think of with that like oh you gotta read the whole thing you gotta keep going like you said Mm -hmm. it is what you expect when (laughs) the first book is just not great so you can only imagine uh when the first book is great how much better it gets i always think of like uh uh, malazan i know it's not pronounced that it's like malazan or something is how you're supposed to you're (laughs) supposed to pronounce it malazan or something but i say malazan it's like Book one of that, it's like you're probably not even going to understand what's happening or anything like that, and it's super dense and mm. all that, but just keep going. It's like even the fans are <laughs> acknowledging, like, okay, this isn't great, but you got to keep going. Right. Like you said, Charles, this one, the first book is great, so and they why say not keep, keep going? going?
0: Yeah, exactly. Well said. Yeah. But speaking of be- great stories... Uh, you've got another one in the chamber here <laughs> that uh, I'm very familiar with.
1: <laughs> you are very familiar with this one, Charles. You read it before I read it. I think I read it on on your recommendation. Uh, it is Tigana by Guy Gabriel K. And if anything, Charles, you've usually been the one pushing this over over me. And this mm-hmm. is a this is a return, Charles. I did pitch this already. I believe in. Twenty twenty one, can you believe that, Charles? Twenty twenty three, we're doing believe. FPF and yeah, twenty twenty one. I guess we started this podcast in twenty twenty. Oh have. my god, FTF, yeah, FTF's like becoming a toddler. Um, so grows <laughs> up so fast. <laughs> I know, doesn't it? But uh, Tigana, I'll give the brief synopsis here of this standalone book. It's the. The blurb is, is the magical story of a beleaguered land struggling to be free? Is the tale of a people so cursed by the black sorcery of a cruel, despotic king that even the name of their once-beautiful homeland cannot be spoken or remembered? But years after their devastation, a handful of courageous men and women embark upon a dangerous crusade to overthrow their conquerors and bring back to the dark world the brilliance of a long-lost name. Tigana. Tigana. Uh, that uh, that kind of sets the tone. That's a really well written blurb, right? Sure <laughs> Sounds on. like you really get that, but it does convey that kind of almost poetic, epic storytelling of this beautifully written standalone by an author that many consider the master of the standalone. In Guy Gabriel K. I know we've called him that at times all over the internet. I don't have to list them all. You know this, Charles. You're going to find these lists and these rankings that oftentimes place it as the best fantasy standalone of all time. That's not uncommon uh, for you to see if you're going to do some Googling about this book. I think that's why you picked it up, Charles, because it was uh, so consistently ranked uh, among the best ever. Mm -hmm. So... We both read this one and enjoyed it. I know I'm preaching to the choir with the positive things I'll say about it, but I gotta remind you, Charles, because it's been a quite a few years for each of us since we read it. And with a book that has as much depth as this one, uh, we're going to garner a lot of value from checking out again after so much time, after so much additional reading within the fantasy genre. Because uh, you know this ha- inspired a lot of folks. Guy Gabriel K's writing. I mean, we talked about Nicholas Eames, who's a very different writer in his own way. But he said when he first started out, he was basically trying to to write uh, like Guy Gabriel K. And this is a book published in nineteen ninety, which is like hard to believe. Uh, it was so ahead of its time in so many ways right it, it's got this critical exploration of colonialism and imperialism that feels very modern right uh, the mm. complexity of the characters goes uh, as well way beyond like right cuz they have this uh, this depth and this almost moral grayness a lot of them which you weren't seeing as much at that time. Uh, and it just goes way beyond what we'd expect for like 30 plus years ago. Right. And I, I think when we first read it, Charles, we weren't really in the place to appreciate that at the level that we would now. Right. Cause we've read so much since that. It, it's like, wow, this was a hugely seminal and influential Work and I think we can appreciate on that level beyond just appreciating the story in itself. I don't know if we we quite did that when we first read it, mm. uh, and uh, there are some aspects of the book and the authorial choices that are very discrepant discrepant from what you'd expect to find in traditionally published fantasy novels and i I think that our additional time and all these additional books will enable us to have this fresh perspective on both the ways that tigana was ahead of its time and then these aspects that didn't age as well maybe i i think all that is great fodder for conversation In an FTF episode, I I hope that we could provide a lot of insight into that for our listeners. And and really, I'm just interested in having those conversations with you as well, Charles, just placing it. We always talk about this idea of like a family tree for The fantasy genre, right? You put in Lord of the Rings uh, probably way uh, at the top as the grandfather, unless you're going, like, way back to things like Gilgamesh or something. But, you know, uh, (laughs) I think that Tigana has a very distinct place in that. And I just think we are better equipped to have a conversation about exactly where. So... We also both know uh, that it's incredible. Getting a little bit more, not just into why it'd be fun to like talk about it and explore it, uh, but why it's such a great read in itself is how well Kay captures a setting. We talk about this all the time around Kay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's able to just like convey this this mood, this ambiance, and this tone that uh, the reader feels so immersed in that setting. Like I don't know if there's anyone who writes a setting as lovingly, I would say, mm-hmm. as Guy Gabriel K does. You can tell he's doing so much research and he's just so passionate about it and this is kind of that more Italian Renaissance era, Mediterranean mm-hmm. feel and it's just you let that wash over you. It's an absolute joy to read that. Uh, we're also in this novel guaranteed to get this poetic prose that K uh, manages to do. And it, that, like, it's like this epic storytelling prose while still staying grounded in characters, which is super hard to do. Uh, it's interesting military and political intrigue going on it's got musicians as central characters charles i know you as a musician yourself uh, we all know about your high school band nostalgia who you know just epic performances at the coffee house jam when we were younger in <laughs> high school charles everyone remembers your performance of sweet emotion Uh, Did I get the song right? You did get it right. Yeah, okay, I got it. I was saying the wrong Aerosmith song. Uh, But your performance Sweet Emotion. And uh, I know it appeals to the musician in you here. And it also will appeal to your sweet emotion, Charles, because (laughs) this book will hit you right in the feels with some awesome twists. I know that the ending, especially uh, the word I would use to describe it, is poignant. It is uh, just such a stunning conclusion to the whole thing. And, of course, that standalone aspect of it, that we do get that conclusion, it makes it such an appealing choice here to cover on the show. It doesn't make that huge commitment. And if afterwards we want to jump into the Rage of Dragons or we want to jump into the rest of the uh, Greenbone saga, We easily can do that, right? Just read this one book. And we talked about Guy Gabriel K's work so many times in our recommendation episodes. Feels like it's coming up all the time. And I, I think it's time that we give him the chance to take center stage as one of our actual buddy reads and give him a full episode dedicated to discussing it. After we've read it. A full buddy read episode on Guy Gavriel K has not happened on FTF, Charles, and that's criminal. So Charles, I think Tigana would be an excellent choice for our next read.
0: Well, said Dylan. It's an interesting pick. Um, one I wasn't expecting, but I totally get and I totally see. Guy Gavriel K is one of my Favorite authors that we haven't talked about on the show. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because he sits so uniquely in terms of like where in the genre he's coming from as a voice and as an author. Um, He's also like, he's also sitting in this place in 1990 that's like a really popular trend today of like creating a fantasy world. That evokes unique histories, religions, folklore, customs, and bringing kind of this magical element into that. Like, it's not just European swords and sorcery or, or anything like that. Like, the idea of having a Mediterranean-inspired setting is something that Guy Gavriel K did a long time ago. And you see a lot of people pulling unique, uh, typically underrepresented uh, cultures and... Um, like settings for your fantasy novel and i feel like guy was kind of at the at the beginnings of that and he's a master at it he's always picking new settings in which to write his his books he's also a prolific standalone fantasy writer which i feel is also kind of was a unique thing back in the day and it still is kind of unique um so very interesting choice here and there certainly is a lot to talk about like I kind of it's been long enough now that I've forgotten all the intricate details of the story but there's certainly a lot that I remember and there's some really great ideas going on in here about like cultural identity and um, what it means to kind of fight for that and and how to con- controlling history is a way to control, a group of peoples and so there's certainly a lot to talk about there i remember certain characters too that were very kind of provocative so yeah i mean i, I think we need to talk about guy Gavril-Kay on the show a lot more i think we need to pick up one of his books soon um, I would love to read and talk about Tigana. I'm flipping through my my copy right now, reminiscing about when I read it many years ago. This is an old edition, and who's on the cover? That's covered. a different copy but than Anne, I have. And McCaffrey is on here. It looks older. Well, it's a tenth like anniversary edition, so more... it's probably from two thousand. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> so it's, right. it's old. Yeah. Um, so and it's a tenth yeah, anniversary. That's an
1: interesting. So. We gotta throw that on social media, Charles. I don't really see that. I don't There's think I've cover? ever seen that cover before. I don't know yeah, how I was know it. I have. Yeah, like that's the cover I see a lot. Yeah. Which I, that's the cover I see all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool seeing yours. And, and anyway, Charles, I, I want to go back and stress because I, I probably should have put this in in my pitch, um, which is very based around like the time period that this was released yes. and the place that it has in fantasy let me ground you in this the first book of wheel of time came out in january of the same year as tigana which came out in august uh so we're talking just months apart from a series that was still starting out like tolkien clone e and that was like cutting edge fantasy at the time was still like kind of tolkien clone-esque and also A Game of Thrones, that came out in 91. So Tigana predates Game of Thrones, like Mm -hmm. the first Game of Thrones book, which obviously like revolutionized the genre in so many ways. But it just doesn't read like the kind of stuff that was coming out there at all. And yeah, I really don't think I appreciate that this book is older than both of us. Not combined, <laughs> but both of us Not individual. combined, but it is
0: but older than both <laughs> Even than you, individual. Charles. Even, <laughs> even older than you.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, w- it's weird to think because it literally does not read like that at all when you consider like, oh, this is like Wheel of Time's contemporary first Which is, book. And
0: it's, and it's so different. Like Guy Gravel-K takes a very academic kind of scholarly approach and you can tell he's someone that did a lot of like research not just of the setting, but if there's like other cultural events that he's inspired by, he'll research those too. And um, it's just really interesting. Like he, I'm even re- like looking at yeah. the afterword here and some of the inspiration came from like the communist party, like in the, in the Iron Curtain. And oh all my that. God. So it's like, wow, you're really right. That's
1: up. what we're talking about here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like right. USSR stuff,
0: right? Exactly. And then here, here's it. Tigana is in good part a novel about memory, the necessity of it, in cultural terms, hmm. and the dangers that come when it is too intense. Skeleto's decision at the end of the novel, which I won't get into, is a reflection of that, and so is the whatever-whatever passage that served as one of my epigraphs. The world today offers more than enough examples of both pitfalls, ignorance of history and its lessons, and the refusal to let the past be past. So, that is interesting.
1: And isn't this this idea, I got to just briefly, but this idea of like colonialism and imperialism, like who was talking about that at this level oh. in fantasy at that time, right? Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, it's a really interesting use of the fantasy genre that I feel like there were so many Tolkien clones and pulp novels uh, throughout like the the like late 80s and then like into the 90s even that like all of a sudden you have a guy taking an academic lens to different ideas in a more like like using fantasy separate of even though you know there's obviously like everyone was inspired by Tolkien but it's like this idea of like hey we can tell a different story using different cultural backgrounds and I can even approach (laughs) this from this academic lens with of like what's going on with communism and the iron curtain and like i can go into all of that (laughs) and here's all the essays i've read about how all these things are related and you're like holy smokes man this is not what anyone else was doing like yes tolkien was an academic and came from like language but this guy's coming from like just really different perspectives to and and using the fantasy genre in a totally different way and that to me is always how um guy Gavril k has has stood out and i you see a lot of it now in modern fantasy which is like all the books that i'm looking at on my shelf like fifth season Maybe spear cuts through water yeah like um so many of these poppy books,
1: war Copy and babel war, like, uh, final strife it's like all of those uh real cutting edge books it's like we were exploring a lot of those themes into Ghana 33 years ago. Poppy Wars is a good I one because there's a lot of research, academic yeah.
0: research going into like world war two that informed a lot of that books, like plot points and culture and, and history and was really impactful in that story. And you kind of get a very kind of similar approach to fantasy writing here, although written in a totally different style and voice for sure. Um, And this one kind of, it does feel its age a little bit, I remember, and characterizations and certain things that happened. But I think that only improves the discussion that we could have on it. So, great pick. uh, Don't need to harp on it any longer. So, like, so much that you picked three very different books. Yeah. And, like, that almost makes it harder because there's no, like, finding a way in which to pick one that's, like, (laughs) <laughs> that you can compare them to they're, they're, so, they're so different so oh man I, I don't know
1: they're great choices though I, I, we'll
0: have to yeah. go and luckily
1: into... you don't have to know yet well yeah. said thank
0: <laughs> goodness for that
1: <laughs> yeah but and also luckily Charles you can have some help in determining which of these series slash books you are gonna pick because mm-hmm. We're going to have to reach out to social media and uh, you folks, we would absolutely love to hear from you about these. You can find us at the FTF podcast one on Twitter. I'm sure I'll be tweeting about these, trying to just get some help for Charles. He was going to really need it. Maybe (laughs) even you'll find Charles tweeting from his personal account at, is it at Charles underscore MC or something? And I think another underscore
0: after that. Yeah. Look, Wait, what? I don't know, man. It, it's two remember. underscores. I think.
1: You don't know your own Twitter handle?
0: No, I'm not as plugged in as you. I know the FDF one, and that's what truly matters.
1: Okay, well, you might even see Charles underscore M underscore C underscore. No, I think it, okay, it's
0: Charles uh, underscore M three C underscore. seven.
1: No numbers. <laughs> you could have done better than that. You'd be surprised. (laughs) But anyway, you might see Charles underscore MC underscore tweeting about it, just actually venturing onto Twitter to get help. That's how desperate Charles might get. And you can also find us on Instagram at the FTF podcast, and I'll be sure to pass along anything you folks are saying to try to help Charles make this, I think, extremely tough decision. I do think you have three right choices here, though, Charles.
0: I would agree three right choices very excited to see what other people think and I will definitely need their input to make an informed decision here but the future of FTF looks bright I mean, we've got six really interesting it hangs books. in the balance it hangs in the balance but it also <laughs> is bright in that as although there are so many opportunities in which that th- this show could go um, all the books like, presented between uh, the past two episodes are, are very strong so i'm excited man lots of really exciting reading to be done uh in the near future but uh, we also have to determine the reading order too we need to figure out you know once we pick the two books which one are we going to read first and i don't know
1: it can be a vote on twitter can probably be a vote on twitter
0: why not so just yet another reason to check out social yeah. media so um
1: we used to do the epic on air <laughs> audio only coin flip we back sure in the did. day when we were just starting out and we probably didn't have enough followers to actually create we definitely a vote on Twitter <laughs> that would get enough <laughs> feedback so yeah we were those were desperate times they called for desperate measures i don't know maybe we do bring the coin flip back though maybe
0: we bring the co- i mean people like the coin flip back in the day the on air coin flip although now the <laughs> we might be showing video maybe we could show something but i don't know like i don't know for that fancy but no we'll we'll see there's there's a lot left to decide and um only the future will tell so be sure to check us out on social and look out for that next podcast upload to to see where the heck all of this ends up because as of right now it is very much unknown but the one thing that i do know is that there's nothing left for us now but to play that Sweet, sweet outro music. What do you say, Dylan?
1: I say, get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, Charles.
0: Alright, let's do it. Thank you, everyone, one and all for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, let us know over on the socials at the FTF Podcast on Instagram and at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the Twitter. Now Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they supported the show on social media but they want to support us even more, what can they
1: toss five stars to our podcast. You can now do that on Spotify. It's just two clicks to make that happen over at the top of our Spotify page for Friends Talking Fantasy. And it helps us so much when you do that. We're just out here doing this for the love of the game. And we're not making any money off of this, folks. We're just here to try to spread the word and love about these awesome books. You can also give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate that so much, too. Um, We'll be coming at you with probably another episode in a couple days to announce which ones we picked for these FPF episodes. Uh, So, yeah. Anyway... Right now, I just want to say just listening is more than enough. You don't have to do any of those ratings and reviews. Uh, we just love that you're out there enjoying our content.
0: Well said, Dylan, just listening is already so much. And thank you so much for doing that making it all the way to end of this episode. We greatly appreciated. You guys are awesome. And as always, go forth and conquer friends.